Thank you for tuning in to the Crimson Flow Biblecast podcast. My family and I really and honestly hope that this podcast helps you grow spiritually, get closer to the Lord, and maybe even give you a tad bit of motivation to help spread the word so that maybe your family and friends will find their way closer as well. Before we get started, I'd like to just take a minute to let you hear from our sponsors. Hey guys, what's going on today? And if you notice a little bit of difference in the mic sound, that's because maybe I upgraded my system. And by upgraded, I mean I've had this for a little while, just haven't figured out and researched enough to figure out how to program it. So that's what I'm delivering to you today. Okay, for our lesson today, we are going to be talking about The things in life that God wants us to do. And should we do them no matter what the cost. That's basically what I'm going over today. And to use scripture for this discussion. I'm going way back. All the way to Genesis. We're going to be talking about Noah's flood. And this is going to be in Genesis chapter 6 toward the end of it. And 7 and some of 8. I'm not going to read a whole bunch all at once. It's, it's just going to be bits and pieces for me. So each. So we'll just uh, take it as we go. So it starts in chapter 6 verse 11. And it says the earth was also corrupt before God. And the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth. And behold it was corrupt. For all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. I'm just going to stop right there and say. That if we haven't noticed that's happening today course granted i don't think it's on a scale yet like it was back in that day because if you look at the the parameters of what was going on here the only people that was saved in the ark was the only ones that god seen fit to be saved and that was very few the bible says here in like verse 10 it says and noah begat three sons shem ham and japheth now i'm assuming that also means noah's wife was saved and also, if Noah had any daughters, they would have been saved as well. So we're talking out of the whole world of people, which granted is not 7 billion people, but out of the whole world, only these few got saved. So that just tells you how corrupt it was. Now, am I diminishing the amount of ungodliness that we have in this world? No, I'm not. It is horrible. But... Also, if you stop and think about it, it may not even be as bad as it is now. Because back then, Jesus was not a... Well, he was around, but he wasn't the lamb yet, if that makes sense. He wasn't. He hadn't take his, taken his human form yet. He's, he's eternal, but he wasn't, according to his words, his time had not yet come. So he there was no mediator between God's wrath or judgment, let me say that. And the world. There was no veil, so to speak. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. And I'll get into that scripture some other day. That Jesus is like a blanket over the earth. Of forgiveness, of love, of compassion. When that blanket is lifted away and he comes back to the earth. 
God's judgment is going to fall, and it's not going to be good. It's going to be worse than Sodom and Gomorrah days. It's going to be worse than any movie that Hollywood has ever depicted. You know, so let's continue on here and keep looking into that uh, about the Noah's Ark and stuff. And God looked upon the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way upon the earth. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with the violence, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood, rooms shalt thou make in the ark, shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. Basically all that's saying is he's given Noah the measurements of how he wants this ark built. Now, everybody always says that Noah was mocked and made fun of for building this ark, and there actually is no biblical proof that he was actually made fun of or mocked but that's just speaking textually okay think of it this way contextually we look at the time the the earth was corrupted there was a lot of evil and and even by enoch which was noah's great great grandfather or something like that there was so much ungodliness already in the earth so i can only imagine that by noah's time that it would be horrendous to even think about what acts was going on while he was building the ark, not knowing that they would be the ones that would be left behind. Because Noah, we all know, was instructed to grab all animals of the air and of the land and put them in the ark, male and female. We all know that. And if you don't know that, the whole story of Noah's ark goes from Genesis 5 to Genesis 9. So if you all want to go back and read that word by word for yourself, then then go right ahead. It's, it's a very interesting story. You just got to slow down and read it little by little. Don't try to skip through it or don't try to rush through it. It's it's something that needs to be slowly read, slowly processed to see what's going on because especially if you have the KJV Bible, it's uh, wordy. Let's just say that. Um, so then we get to the part where the rain starts coming down and then it, it says that the in verse 11 it says in the 600th year of noah's life in the second month the 17th day of the month the same day were all the fountains of the great deep broken up and the windows of heaven were open and the rain which and the rain was upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights in the selfsame day entered Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, the sons of Noah, and Noah's wives, and the three wives of his sons with them, into the ark. Then, and every beast after his kind, and all the cattle after their kind, and every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and every fowl after his kind, and every bird of every sort. And they went into unto Noah, into the ark, two and two, and all of all flesh wherein is the breath of life. And then... They or and they that went in, went in male and female, of flesh, as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in, and the flood was forty days upon the earth, and the waters increased, and here in the ark, and it was lifted up upon the earth. So, when Noah got in there, he shut the door, but God sealed it. When God sealed it, it made it look like there was no door there at all, like literally the door disappeared. Let's just say that. And when I'm saying that. There was no way whatsoever that anybody could have even been left in. The way the ark was designed was designed that nobody could float to the top of it or whatever. It was a huge ship, basically. So I'm not going to use any more scripture of this. Like I said, if y'all want to read the script, the 
story about Noah's Ark. It's it's a very good story. Y'all need to read it sometime. But I'm not going to read any more into it I, to get my point across. The point is, is that even though that Noah was made fun of, he was mocked. He knew what God was promising him. He knew that something was about to happen, that the flood was about to happen. He was going to clean the earth of all the ungodliness. And that in the event that he was made fun of, this was God's will, not their will. And he knew that God had a way out for him. He trusted God. He he believed that God would deliver him from the raging waters that was about to happen. Now, there are times in our life today, like we, like me, I feel like God has led me to do this. I really do. But there are times that I feel like I don't have the mental energy or even have time the physical energy to get this through. But I have to sit back and realize that my God is greater and he will see me through this and this that if I persevere and I push through, I guess you could say in a weird kind of sense, that's kind of like brownie points <laughs> to God. I mean, not, but in a sense, not really, because the greatest sensation we will ever feel from God is when we get to the judgment and he looks at us and says, well done, my good and faithful servant. That is the highest regard we're going to get as a human from God. And that is that is the truth. But that is all we should ever strive for. We shouldn't want more. We shouldn't want to be top dog with him. You know, we're not going to be up there. I mean, there are some people on this earth that swear up and down that there is a fourth part to the Trinity and they're going to hop right in. You know, we've all seen them. They act like that, that they're holier than thou, you know? And we should, we all shouldn't be like that. But the point is, is that there will be people that will be judgmental. The believers and the non-believers. But the sad part is there will be a lot of judgmental believers too that will do everything in their power to stop you from fulfilling God's will in your life. And you just need to push on no matter how hard it gets. If it's God's will and you've prayed about it, you will know. He will He will find a way to, to let you know that He wants you to do this. Whether it be your main course of life or it be like a side thing. Like this, I mean, this is a side thing for me. It has been. But, I mean, if God wants me to be a full-time at it, I'm up for that. There are times that I feel like sometimes that God has even asked me to be a preacher, but at the same time I stop and think, I'm not really preaching material. I feel like I'm more of a teacher like I'm I'm doing right now, but you know, maybe in front of an actual class in church, like a church teacher or like a youth minister or something like that. But I have to stop and think, if if God's will wants me to do that, then I should surrender myself to His will and just pray that He shows me signs or gives me opportunities to prove to me that that is what He's wanting me to do. Sometimes He does, sometimes He wants you to look for Him on your own. So that's kind of a difficult issue there. But that's another thing. Are we stopping and listening to God enough to know when he's talking to us about certain things in our life. He wants to talk to us all the time. And he wrote us the greatest love letter 
that man has ever known and is called the Holy Bible. It is a letter, a love letter from God, but it is also an instructional letter on what to do while we're here. You know, I heard the acronym one time, the Bible, basic instructions before leaving earth, which is, it's very, very true. A lot of the beginning of the Bible is history and, you know, they kind of go through this um, really long infomercial, so to speak, from the first books up until the New Testament. It's kind of like an infomercial showing how people were faithful to God and how it rewarded for them and the ones that didn't or weren't faithful, how it how they were judged. And then you get to Jesus. He, You know, Jesus is the 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 gospel, the death, the burial, and resurrection. That is the gospel. And then after that, it's kind of just like a re-explanation of how we should live our life that was found in the Old Testament, just projected a different way, I believe. And then, of course, we all know that the book of Revelations is what is yet to come in the end days. And there are some little bitty books and chapters. that Some of uh, Daniel has it. Some of Thessalonians has it. it bits and pieces about what the end times are going to look like. But, I mean, when all is said and done, I mean, we shouldn't have to worry too much about what's going to happen in the end times as long as we're ready, you know? Just be ready, and you won't have to worry about the end times. Am I saying that the rapture is going to happen pre-tribulation? No. But if you are truly ready for... God to come back and the end of the world to happen. A few years in the tribulation is not should not worry you, worry you. You should not be worried about what is going to happen before God takes you out of here, because you know there will be an end in sight. Worst case scenario, you get taken up in the rapture or you die before and you and you meet up in the rapture. That's it's as simple as that. But getting back to our main topic and how that ties into what I just said, it's just. No matter what happens in your life, follow God's will for it, and He will reward you greatly, even if that reward is simply just being able to make it into heaven, you know? Because at that point in time, we will have a feeling like no other. That will be our home. That will be our happiness. There will be no sadness. There will be no sorrow. No pains. So in other in other words, it's going to be the best thing of our life. So what I'm telling you today, follow God's will, no matter what. The reward, whether it'll be on this earth or in heaven, is going to be greater than the tr- troubles and trials that you face on this earth. God bless y'all, and thank you for listening. And until next time, bye.